Welcome back, thinkers. It is another episode of Doorward Thinking. I'd like to welcome to the St. Louis studio with me, Jake. How's it going? Awesome. So today's Doorward Thinking episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going unhinged today. Nice. Uh, Jake is stepping in as a co-host for future installments. And uh, we're not doing a real estate topic today. Doorward thinking, if it is a search for wisdom, then we need to have a framework to do that. We need to have some rules or guidelines. You know, it's funny as we're outlaws, Nate, um, even, even like you're like a normal person would do X. And I have to remind you, like, as much as I want to be, there's some part of me that's not normal. Um, <laughs> and that's why I like this, this, uh, this name that you gave it, Doorward Unhinged, mm-hmm. is, uh, is, is pretty cool, pretty perfect. It is pretty perfect. So what we're going to do is talk about the first of these rules of what Doorward Thinking and this framework is all about. Yeah, you can go ahead, put it down. Don't worry about dropping it on the table. Okay, I just want to make like in front of your laptop. Echo- <laughs> wow, easy, easy. Hey, rule number one of doorward thinking: we don't talk about doorward thinking, <laughs> right? <laughs> so the real rule number one of doorward thinking is the beginning of wisdom is the definition of terms. It's attributed to Socrates, like everything, like everything. But we really don't know because. Most of what we know about Socrates was actually written by Plato in his dialogues. Yeah, and he was kind of a jerk. Yeah, so it kind of illustrates the point that we're, we want to make today, though. The big point is that words matter. Mm. And so if the beginning of wisdom is the definition of terms, uh, that's basically saying that words are important for having a discussion of bigger things. Well, understatement of the century. How do you define terms? I would say a term would be a word or a small phrase that has its own, like a a unit of language Yeah, yeah. that has its own meaning. Okay. Would be a term. Will you kick me if I ask how do you define define? I would. Okay. It's a good thing you're across the table from me right now. I won't ask the question. (laughs) So Socrates or whoever said this obviously understood that words are very important. And uh, somebody else that does is Rabbi Yehuda Berg. And he has a quote that I think is just out of this world. He says, words are singularly the most important force available to humanity. We can choose to use this force constructively with words of encouragement or destructively with words of despair. Words have energy and power with the ability to help, to heal, to hinder, to hurt, to harm, to humiliate, and to humble. How's that for a quote? Well, rabbi means teacher, and that makes sense because that just taught me a whole lot that I didn't know before about words, Nate. You knew those things about words. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know it. Like as a man— that your words matter. All you have are your words in, in some way, and you have to honor that, and and you have to be responsible for them that they can go out and, and cut and wound, or they can go out and and heal and uplift. How often do we recognize ourselves and others? Quote blow and smoke. Blow and smoke. What do you mean by that? 
It's a term. I need to define it. Huh? <laughs> Please, thank you. I'm yeah. not an intelligent person, Nate. Yes, you are. Don't don't I, say that. Blowing smoke, as I understand it, is to just talk without much substance mm-hmm. to not understand the ramifications mm-hmm. or take the full responsibility of the words that are being said. Yeah. It's for the sake of just saying something. You're asking how often do we do that as, as people? Yeah. I mean, just rhetorically. Yeah. It happens a lot. I think. I don't know. I want to be fair to people, Nate. I think that it probably like comes in spurts. I would say probably like the majority of people, the majority of the time, like they want to be good. Absolutely. I agree with that. But then like there there's moments where our better like selves. This podcast. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> like this podcast where our better selves are, you know, a little lacking and there's a whole lot of maybe carelessness or just like a lack of intentionality or we're so focused on something else that we don't even realize the words that are coming out of our mouths. I, th- mm-hmm. I, I do think that mm-hmm. like when it rains and pours, Definitely happens with our words. But I want to say that at least 50% of the time, to put it like a finger on it, Nate, that we're not just like saying nonsense. We're, we're trying to accomplish good goals in our lives, I think. I agree with that. I think maybe there are like there's a, a gradient of the amount of smoke that is blown, right? We can be fully conscious and overthink about the words that we're saying to the point where we overcorrect to make sure that we're not hurting anybody or we are politically correct, but that can diminish the message that we're trying to really get out there. Yeah. And then, so like on one end of the spectrum and then on the other side of the spectrum, we're saying a whole bunch of things willy nilly without thinking of the ramifications or the consequences. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have to agree with you, Nate. I think like the lived experience of this is as much as I want to like practice mindfulness and like just be present to everything around me. So often I catch myself mm-hmm. somewhere else and, and you're not totally focused on maybe even the people that you're with and sitting across the table from, oh, Nate, hey. <laughs> There you are. Sorry. Um, What's that? I never noticed that weird thing on your face before. Oh, that's called my nose. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I get your point. Yeah. yeah. Um, So words, words, man. Words are important. Absolutely. So a little bit of background. This is going to get a little spiritual for a second. So Rabbi Berg, teacher, he is part of a religious tradition that believes that this word actually has some divine property, that it isn't just the words that you speak, but there, there is a divine word that helped to create and bring everything that we know into being. Okay. And it's part of a tradition that has over 2 billion people in the world who, who have some form of belief that word is, special, sacred, divine. And then there are plenty of other traditions where we use words and specific words in ceremonies and rites and in business contracts and everything. So like words are super important and words have power. 
And so what I'd like to do in these next few minutes is talk about the power that these words actually have. Awesome. Awesome. Things that maybe you have heard before, but probably haven't. I've been doing some research and we're going to start with something a little bit goofy, but the idea that plants grow better if you talk to them. (laughs) No way. Oh yeah. Have you ever talked to a plant by the way? Um, let's see. Um, there was Laverne. No, that our last podcast. No, that's Kate's plant. I don't, I don't talk to Laverne in my life. Um, I think no. Okay. Well, maybe you should actually. Okay. Because, uh, so NASA did some research and they found that talking to plants helps them grow. Believe it or not. You heard it on this podcast. Plants respond to vibration. They actually have a couple of genes in their genetic makeup that activate at certain frequencies of vibration. Okay. So people have done studies in the plants. If you, if you talk nicely to a plant, will it grow bigger and stronger? And if you like are angry at a plant, so it's not just about the carbon dioxide that you're exhaling. It's it's not just about the carbon dioxide. Are you sure? Cause I, I am sure. I'm kind of skeptical. (laughs) No, no, no. No, no Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. 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 So plants respond best to vibrations of 115 to 250 Hertz. I don't know what that means. It's a frequency of sound waves. Ah, I yeah, understand okay. that part. But so, like, I don't have any context to like, okay, but all right, go okay, on. Go okay. On. You, I will give you some context right now. Okay. A woman's voice on average is between 165 to 255 Hertz. So right in that range where a plant is receptive will, will be like most activated. Mm-hmm by a woman's natural like vocal frequencies. Okay. Okay. A man's vocal frequency is lower in general and on average is between 85 to 155 hertz. Mm. So not really not really overlapping with the plant. Just a little bit. Just a little. But not very much. So it's good we have a fake plant here in the studio. Is that what we're saying? Several fake plants. It Never. is good. Yeah. There was a study done where they had men talk to plants versus women talk to plants. And the women's plants on average grew an inch taller in the time frame that they were looking at, which was over a couple months. Okay. So that's just to say that, yes, there are certain frequencies that plants respond better to. All right. So if you're having a neutral tone of voice, like you're reading a book or you're just talking to the plant, hi plant, how you doing? That average frequency is going to be about, 130 hertz of just normal talking. Man or woman. Man or woman. Mm-hmm. Anger, if you're expressing anger, that jumps up to 336 hertz. Mm. Outside the range. Outside the range. Okay. So, and this is consistent with softer and gentler emotions having a positive influence on plant growth. But you said neutral. Well, not negative. Can we say not negative? I mean, that's just not. If I'm going to speak positively, it's going to be in a more normal tone, wouldn't you say? Um, I mean, like I said, I've never talked to a plant before that I can remember. Again, maybe you should. <laughs> but I'm, I'm having a hard time. So are you saying that, that normal is positive in a, a human voice framework? 
I, I will say that. I will say not negative. Wow. Okay. I will say not okay. negative. So if we're just having a conversation connecting, yeah, I'll call that positive for the sake of this yeah, I, podcast. I, I, I'll call it positive too. Okay, great. I don't care. Yeah. You should care. I mean, I, I care. <laughs> but I'm not going to fight you on it. Okay. Just with plants, right? And the frequencies of our voice, plants cannot hear like we do. They cannot, they don't have, have brains and nervous systems to elucidate and understand the meaning of the words that we say, but just the quality of the tone of voice of a word makes a difference. Sure. Sure. So what if you say positive things in a very angry way, like you're the best plant ever. Like, is it, that's obviously like, and you sound like Tony Robbins when you, (laughs) when you're talking to the plant. Yeah. uh, Motivational. Right. right? Cause Tony Robbins would motivate the plant, but but he he would sound like Tony Robbins. (laughs) So, but like you're moved, I guess, into like the 300 Hertz range at that point. Right. And so the plan is going to respond poorly to that, given that the vibration. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, it can't understand the words, but like neither can like dogs or babies, right? If you're, if you speak in that same tone, they're also probably going to react poorly even though they do have ears and eardrums and uh, can understand on some level the the words. Yeah. We'll get to babies in a second, but in general, yes. Like there's research that shows, I'll have to pull it up and we'll put it in the show notes, but there's research that shows that babies can tell just based on quality of voice and they actually differentiate how they respond to people with different qualities of voice. Mm. Yeah. So we're like not even at understanding yet. Yeah. yeah. We're at a place where the tone of your voice, the quality of a voice matters. Okay. Okay. Like the physical manifestation of a word, the sound waves that hit on things and eardrums and all of that, they matter. Yeah. Love it. We're going to jump to the meaning of words. Again, positive, we'll call neutral words to what we associate as positive. There was a study done. This is recorded in the Business Relationship Management Institute that say that whether they are heard words or self-talk, if you hear negative words or if you have negative self-talk, you get an increased stress response and increased anxiety-inducing hormones that are found in your bloodstream. And the science, science, the, the interesting part is the negative self-talk. Yeah. You're thinking these words, Mm -hmm. you're not even saying them out loud. So there's no physical quality Mm -hmm. like hitting your eardrum Mm -hmm. and both can elicit increased stress response. So that says that the content matters. Yeah. So have they taken this a step further and had people think thoughts to the plants. <laughs> I haven't seen anything like that. If you want to run that experiment, we can. I kind of do. To. I kind of do. Okay. I want to know. Okay. You heard it right here. Uh, planting season is coming soon. We're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to get back to you uh, in the, in during harvest time thinkers. But yes, so the audio quality actually matters. Right. And the 
the meaning matters and those does the content matter the yeah. content does matter and there and those are separate you can separate those two out yeah okay supposedly i think Alleged, you can allegedly i think you can okay okay that's wild though the data that you provide so far i'm fascinated by that yeah it's crazy right so let's take this a step further uh we're going to talk about lying for a second okay it's a uh, uh using words that are false. Why do we lie? Jake, why do we lie? I think out of fear. Out of fear. Yeah. So we're doing it to avoid a perceived unpleasant result if we tell the truth. Mm -hmm. So like if we tell the truth and we think something bad is going to happen, so we lie, even though lying is unpleasant because we think it's going to be less unpleasant than if we told the truth. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a study of truthfulness at Duke University, they put people in a fancy MRI machine that measures the blood flow to different parts of the brain, and the blood flow correlates to what parts of the brain are active because they're getting more nutrients and everything to be active. So there's a a specific part of the brain, the amygdala, that is known as the fear center of the brain. And on this special type of MRI, it lights up when we lie. When, when you lie, it lights up. Yes. Uh-huh. Wow. So like if, if I were to go into an MRI machine and say that the sky is green, my amygdala would light up. Even though you know it's like you're doing it for the test? Oh, come on. <laughs> we're getting into like, you know, watched pots never boiled territory. Okay. Okay. But, but in, in general, right? Yeah. 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 I'm okay. accepting. I'm accepting. Okay. okay. Proceed. So the amygdala lights up. Okay. Your, the fear center of your brain lights yeah. up. Wow. Okay. The fear that that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Even if you knew you're doing it for the test, yeah, there's nothing to fear about. So it's truly the fact that you you know that you're not saying something that's right in, in accordance with reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you've gotten my my attention. Okay. So your amygdala lights up, and they find that your heart rate goes up. Your blood pressure goes up. The stress hormones like cortisol in the bloodstream, they go up. And once, twice, physiologically, it's not going to have a change. What ends up happening is the more you lie, your brain gets sensitized to it. Mm. So it takes a bigger and bigger lie for your amygdala to light up the same way. Mm. But you still have those stress responses. So over time, you'd continually ramp up your heart rate, your blood pressure, and introduce stress hormones into your body. No bueno. So like over time, lying does have a physiological effect on you. I believe it. Not only that, if you're having a conversation and somebody else in that conversation knows that you're telling a lie, they are going to have the same physiological responses as if they told the lie themselves. That was found in a Berkeley Haas school of business study. Uh huh. Uh huh. A school of business study. That's school of business study. Yeah. They were concerned about how dishonesty affected teams. Yeah. And so we're, we're making a, a multiple fold argument here mm-hmm. is that, the quality 
like the tonal quality mm -hmm. of your words matters. Mm -hmm. The content of your words matters mm -hmm. and your words affect other people almost as if they were saying the words themselves. Right. That's a lot of power. It's a lot of power for, a, of for a little word yeah. with great yeah. power. Comes great responsibility. A little word like your word. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I spelled differently. Maybe. So yeah, words are insanely powerful. Okay. Insanely powerful. And there's a great motivational speaker, best-selling author. He sold 24 million books, John C. Maxwell. Mm -hmm. He said, the ultimate step in taking responsibility is making sure our actions line up with our words. But I'm going to make the case that that needs to be flipped. Okay, I'm listening. I think, at least at some points, that taking responsibility means that your words line up with your actions and who you are. Sure. Yeah. Because as we've seen, these words have power. And if you are doing things and striving for truth and wisdom and goodness and kindness mm -hmm. and all of the other good and beautiful things in this world, yeah. then your words should match up with that because those words have power. That goes back to something you were touching on earlier. And I don't know what particular population you were talking about of the world, but I remember reading once that across culture, there was various civilizations that had a similar term, to get back to the terms here, Nate, for the same concept, right? So there was like Tao in the the East Asian like mm -hmm. tradition in Sanskrit, there was Arte in the Greek tradition, there was Logos. This concept was like word, truth, principle. Like I had all these like you just like used the word goodness, right? It's all kind of like wrapped up in like this concept. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is like even though if like that had we've kind of lost that from from our tradition, right? Or maybe in general, like that's lost from many traditions. We still see like shadows of that and even even our own words that we speak, right? And and the content and its accordance with reality and its um ability to like affect another person mm -hmm. that there's like a a certain principle and wholeness to our words even that despite what we might try to accomplish, you kind of can't escape. You can't escape right. the, the impacts of those words. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. And it just kind of getting back to Socrates or whoever said the beginning of wisdom, whoever is the definition of terms. Yeah. We'll say, we'll say attribute it to unknown right now. Allegedly believe Plato's words. If you believe Plato's words, the early words matter. The early words. All words matter, oh. but particularly the early words, because those are the words that we use to build the frameworks mm. with which we use our words later on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about the beginning of wisdom being the definition, like my parents, specifically my mother and I, 
we would get into it when I was a teenager, we would get into it on just what exactly she meant. If she wanted me to do something, it's like, I needed to know exactly. And we would get into arguments about it. I'm so sorry, mom, because of some of the things that I said coming out of those arguments, but the early words matter. They're the words by which we judge everything else. They're the words by which we build our frameworks, the words by which we understand the world, the words by which we can speak in the world. And so my question for you, Jake, is what should those early words be and how do we make sure that they are the, to use Rabbi Berg's list, how do we make sure that those words help and heal instead of all the other things? Well, you're asking this in the context of the search for wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. And in the context of, of, of our show here, right? When we think about the role of doorward thinking in our platform doorward, right? And I love the way you've put this, right? That so often people want to kind of create a new life for themselves through real estate. Yeah. And they want to get out of the rat race. They want to get out of the almost like the trap that they, they found themselves in. And our hope, right, is when they start getting into real estate, when they start getting into this adventure, this journey of real estate, that it ends up being like a true, that ends up being actually what they were looking for and not just like the proverbial out of the frying pan into the fire yeah. or what have yeah. you, right? And so helping people to be intentional about what it is that they're actually looking for and and helping them to stay true to what it is that they defined as their goal. And, and so when you talk about the beginning of the search for wisdom is a definition of terms, and we've been talking about like just words in, in, in general, like the basic building blocks of that search for wisdom what I'm hearing and, and what I'm getting from our discussion today is really like setting that foundation, setting that those principles okay. by which we can even like start that search for wisdom, which never really ends. It's, it's never like over. You never like, oh, okay, now I've got it. And, and I, I can just like, you know, wash my hands, like done with that. Cool. <laughs> like now I can just like go wild in real estate or whatever, whatever I'm doing. Right. It's setting uh, 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 principles by which I want to live my life. And that's why I think like these words, you were talking about the, the, the saying and the doing, and I would also include like the, just like this, this search for like that my being matches my doing and my doing matches my being. I am what I do and I do what I am. Like that's what we're all looking for. Right. And, and, the, and the word is a fundamental part of that. Absolutely. Because that's the chief way that we communicate whether it's written word or spoken word. Sure, we have gestures, physical manifestations like a hug or a kiss or a handshake. Nonverbal communication. Right, nonverbal communication. But anything deeper beyond that where we need to dig in and communicate specifics need to be done in words. Right. At some point, it has to move. can't really stay in the the non-word territory forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we don't have really any answers for you listeners because we're searching for this wisdom ourselves. 
but just to make the point that the words matter. And I know that we're asking a lot of questions, listeners, and we don't necessarily have all the answers ourselves. All that we're saying in this episode is that the words matter. And when we have further episodes of Doorward Thinking, we will try as best we can to remember this conversation and that the words that we say matter, that we will define the terms, that we will dig deep, and that we will have the conversation and try to get to the heart of it. I think that's what we're trying to do in this search for wisdom here. I think so, Nate. I think so. When we look around at all the real estate podcasts that are out there, they serve a purpose 100%. But when people get on just to like maybe break down a deal or uh, kind of talk about uh, how they got from where they were to where they are now, there tends to kind of be maybe some like the kind of like the stump speech, the what have you. And people's they've said these words before and they just kind of get on there and and go. And I think when we think about doorward thinking, it's like taking a step back from those conversations mm-hmm. and really maybe being a little bit more present to the words, not just to regurgitate the mechanics of, of some, some real estate, you know, practices or discipline with the goal of maybe, you know, self aggrandizement or, or getting more business or some other like thing, which may or may not have huge, you know, repercussions or real effects. And so kind of in opposition to that, I would say that doorward thinking is like, Maybe like a reminder that that even like if you get on and you start talking about the deal, like it's going to happen here on Doorward Thinking sometimes, or or like kind of breaking down the real estate business that somebody is is wearing a particular hat mm-hmm. in. It's like no, even even like your explanation of of what it is that you do or how you do it or why you do it, like this is going out and people are listening to it. And it, it has a real effect, right? The content, the quality, the the hurts, the plants are dying. No, I'm just kidding. They're not, but uh, they might if they listen to the podcast. I was going to say the plants are dying in Ohio. The plants are dying in Ohio. Thank you, train derailment. Uh, Very sad. Our, shout out to our people in Cleveland. Get your gas masks. <laughs> Earlier we were talking about how all of the qualities of words, the the physical quality, the content quality, all of those things, we could kind of tease out the variables with different experiments. Mm. But the spoken word contains all of those, whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah. So when somebody is having those discussions, when they're sharing their successes or their path to real estate or their business and the way that it operates, each of those qualities comes out in each of the words. So, so Mm -hmm. those qualities and the fact that they can help and heal or hurt and harm are inseparable from those words. And we have the responsibility then to speak and to tell those stories and to share those successes and to do all of those things in a way that serves the greater good, the ideal, the desire Mm -hmm. to help to heal, to do what you, how did you say it? Do what you say and 
Say yeah. what you do. Yeah, and and do what do as you are. Mm-hmm. Be what you do. Science. Science. <laughs> so we've kind of gotten to it a little bit, but what does all of this talk about words and these rules that we're going to come up have to do with real estate? Uh, as you know, this is a real estate podcast, uh, but we're not always on a real estate topic like mm-hmm. today. On those days, we're going to have a Jake's take where Jake is going to talk about some of his experiences or his thoughts about the real estate industry and how the discussion that we've just had applies. So Jake, take it away. Get it? See what I did there? Jake, take, take it away. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, let me just focus here for a second. Oh, that was a joke. I'm got to get a focus water here. That's all. Um, all right. So what, where my head was at when you, and you're like, take it away with your Jake's take. Cause I didn't really prepare anything here. Um, oh man. <laughs> where am I, I mean, nobody, what do you want me to do? Like I was thinking about our conversation. Okay, that that right. works. Yeah. Like, but, um, where my, where my head's been at is, is that there's literally rules in real estate about what you can say and what you can't say. And this happens in, in many different professions in the, in the real estate world, many different hats that people are wearing. There are rules about what the words that they can actually say or the words that they can't say because they have meaning, right? And, and so where those, those rules, those laws come from, it's it's the the state, right? The say the government, right? The proverbial state is saying, for a well functioning society, these things have serious implications. These words, these phrases, the, these terms. ideas, these terms that, in given the, the responsibility or the uh, position that somebody holds, especially as maybe. Uh, an influential party in some transaction, they're saying, hey, you have to be careful about these words that you're are coming out of your mouth, right? Watch <laughs> your mouth. <laughs> Watch your mouth because the consumer is going to be forever affected based on those things that you say or do, et cetera. Can you give us an example? Absolutely. So let's just take uh, a landlord or a property manager showing uh, an apartment to a renter. There are rules, uh, particularly kind of differentiating uh, somebody that is renting out their own apartment versus renting out the apartment on behalf of an owner or a party, right? And so the the rules particularly uh, guide property manager or uh, a real estate agent, because these are these are the ones that the, the law guides. A landlord, while there are still rules in place, like I'm talking about like somebody that owns that very property and managing that very property, there are like less rules, but there are still there are still rules. But when you're showing that apartment, there's there's certain representations that you can't make. There's certain like what is just like a flagrant disregard for the rule. Well, for example, Nate, when, when you're showing an apartment and there's all kinds of like, maybe like you could say sales tactics that you could use to, to show an apartment. 
and you want to start talking about, you know, uh, the safety of the neighborhood or the, the, the amenities or the, the energy bills or what have you, right? And you have to walk like a very thin line or a very straight line in terms of at the information that's being provided to all the tenants is like the same information that it obviously has to be accurate, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there can't be, there can be lying here, of course, right? But also like the same information is being provided to all. And so in terms of like, I guess that what they've seen out there is the tendency to want to exaggerate to otherwise like paint the the apartment in in very good lights. And so even when it comes to like the description of the property, like those written words, you have to be very careful that you're just giving like an honest description, but you're not hiding defects with with fluff. So that the consumer can just make a fair decision on whether or not this is like going to be the home for them. And I think just to go back to what we were saying before, in general, in this real estate business, we're talking about like, you know, bricks and dirt, right? It's, it's real things, right? And what we want people to do is, is be black and white. And that's what the, the kind of the guidance out there is is say, just be black and white. And if it's better, like not to say anything, this kind of like some of the guidance that, that I got in when I was like showing apartments for in real estate development is better not to say anything, just kind of like let people have their conversation, let people talk amongst themselves. Maybe the people that are there to see the apartment, right? If there's a question, answer the question, you know, don't embellish. Yeah. Vanilla, don't embellish. And that way they can make their own decision based on what they see, what they touch, what is there in front of them, not based on like the embellishment of, of a person whose words like really do matter. So that begs the question then, like what are the repercussions of embellishment? Or if you, if you get caught presenting uh, something that's exaggerated or false? In this context, real estate agents can lose their licenses, their commissions. And of course, um, more than that, like there's a lack of trust in the space. People are not going to rent from landlords. Like the, the reputation spread for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it. Jake's take for why words are important. So as we go on, we're going to intersperse these rules episodes with the other episodes with the team and our guests. And so if you have an idea for something that's important to consider when searching wisdom, send that over to us at podcast at doorward.com. And it might just end up on our list of rules of doorward thinking. And thank you for your time, Jake. It was good to sit down and to focus with you on the importance of words. Thank you for your time, Nate. My pleasure, Jake. And to be fair, to be fair, I know that we both have places we need to go. Yes, sir. So we're going to cut it off here, listeners. But you can always check out Doorward Thinking anytime. For more content from the whole team, check out our blog at doorward.com slash doorward thinking. There's something for everyone from the contemplative learner to the real estate pro and those learning the business just like me. 
Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter for more news. And subscribe to Doorward Thinking wherever you find your podcasts. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and leave us a review. It helps others discover us and learn from these discussions. And if you're in real estate and want to join the Doorward community, go ahead and use promo code DOORWARD, that's D-O-O-W-A-R-D, for free lifetime access to our platform. Till next time, I'm your host, Nate LeBlanc, reminding you to share what you have and to get back to living.